What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. It's an eight foot bed and it's a big heavy truck. Yeah. So it does a lot better than some of the ones I've had. My Mainly it's hers was behind, mine was up here. Oh, so that's how you did it. My grandpa always put sandbags in the back of his truck yeah. in the winter. You say we go ahead and jump into it, Lee? Yep. All right. Let's start a new podcast. I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast. Lee McClellan's here, co-host. I hope everyone's surviving the uh, Snowmageddon well. Yeah. yeah I, I love it, Lee. Yeah. I'd rather uh, this than... Yeah. than 38 and raining exactly i mean the other day it was 27 and raining which was strange to me that turned into ice but i mean the snow is so much more pleasant if it's going to be cold i just prefer it snow I but agree. once all this snow is gone i'm going to be ready for it not to be so yeah. cold not to be so snowy but i'm glad we actually got a real winter for a little bit this year yeah, instead of our typical winters are just gray and brown and cold and wet it seems like but when it snows it makes me feel like our winter was complete it's good for your uh, grass too. and it, it's good for coyote hunting that's what I've been doing. And I'll be honest with you, Lee, this snow has me excited for something else. Like right now, it, as an outdoors person, it's almost as exciting as uh, the month before deer season comes in. If you're a deer hunter, or the, the weeks before turkey season, you know, you get all excited thinking about the season. Right now, we're on the horizon of so many good things to do outdoors that it's kind of the same, the same way. And I'm, you know, I'm feeling like homesick from not going fishing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like I, we got ice out there, but it's not enough ice to ice fish on. I haven't wet a line in weeks, which isn't honestly that long, but there's so much good fishing right around the corner. And I do want to talk about some of that. Something else I think that the snow is going to be helpful for is shed hunting. And you know, it's this cold weather and the snow has got to be stressing the deer out a little mm -hmm. bit, which makes them more likely to drop their antlers. So I'm not, maybe 5% more drop, 2% more drop, but you're, you're more likely than less likely to have antlers drop during this cold weather right after it. And then I'm also thinking that, you know, a lot of times when there's not snow on the ground, a deer's walking down the trail or jumps a fence or jumps a creek, that antler pops off, it might roll, you know, four or five feet off the trail or away from that crossing and just make it harder to find. But right now I'm expecting these antlers just to fall straight off the deer, land in the snow and stay there. You know, so I, I feel like the antlers should be a whole lot easier to find right on the trails, right on the, the crossings and things like that. And then also, since they're sitting on top of the snow, I've got to, I've got to think that when the snow melts, that these antlers will be sitting right on top of the grass. You know, they aren't going to be buried under some grass or hidden under some weeds. They, I just feel like the shed hunting when the snow melts is going to be as good as you could ask for. Because mm -hmm. the antlers should be on the ground. It's the right time of year. The snow probably helped them drop a little bit, and it should just make them so much easier to find. So as soon as this melts, I'm going to start doing some serious shed hunting and fishing. Well, the cold weather will help fishing as well because for once we're going to have a good shad die off more than likely. Yeah. Which is going to increase competition in spring and make fish more vulnerable. It also gives you some new opportunities on how to fish, like mm -hmm. the float and fly. Which I'm, is, I'm heading to float and fly as soon as I can. It, should, it should be here. This yeah. cold weather what will, help. will help a lot. What happens is the shad, when, when it gets cold like this, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Lee, you've done a lot more float and fly fishing than I have. But those shad literally just start to die. Yeah, and they start twitching, just yeah. like when you're working the bobber. Yeah, so they're these shad are just twitching in the water, you know, just and, jer jerking around. And they're, they're dying, they're fighting off death. But that's what those smallmouth and largemouth and all the bass and predator fish are looking for. They're looking for these little They're twitches. biologically programmed to, ooh, I want that one. And then so you can easily replicate that movement with a bait. You're basically vertically jigging uh, under a float your bait, and you're just giving it little twitches, and it's making your little soft plastic just twitch around like a dying shad. Yeah, that could be one of the most effective 
ways to catch big bass on reservoir. Yeah, I can't wait. This should be a perfect year. Yeah. And you know, our uh, we had our live uh, fishing show on Facebook on Wednesday night, and some of the one of the questions that came across was, uh, what's the expectation for a shad die off in the reservoirs this year because of the cold weather? I looked at who asked the question. It was Greg Brizendine. You know Greg? He's a fishing guy down there. Okay. Dusted on fishing well, yeah. guy, but he does he does all the float and fly stuff. And uh, we've talked about that method before. Basically, it's a cold, cold water method, which is what we're going to have. And February is my favorite month for it. Because that's when it, it should be the coldest. Early March, late February, something. Basically, as soon as this, if you can get out there now and do it, you're probably in good shape. And it's a much slower pace method. You know, you're not constantly casting and working a worm or a jig across the bottom or reeling in a spinnerbait. It's a much slower pace method, and it's good for, you know, if you want to go out and fish half a day or all day, you, you know, because you're making a two-hour drive to Del Hollow mm -hmm. or Laurel, you want to get your time in there, but say you don't want to be sore when you're done. Like, you know, sometimes if you fish all day, when mm -hmm. you get off the boat, I mean, your back's hurting oh, and aching yeah. and your arms are sore. Yeah, I, mean, I have sea legs. I, feel, I can yeah. feel my laying in bed, and I'm like, doo, 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 yeah. you know, I well, can feel my it's a style equilibrium of still moving. It's a style of fishing you can do sitting down. You know, you can sit on that seat and you can relax and, and you're just kind of barely twitching and working a bait and it's a much easier on your body. And people think I'd talk about fishing like it's hard on your body. If you do it for 10 hours straight in that weather, it will be. So you might as well make it as you easy as you can. big musky lures with your big musky rod all day, you'll be feeling it. That's something else I'm looking forward to doing. So basically on my list here, I have jotted down one, two, three, four, five species that I think are going to be really good really soon. And muskie's one of them. And basically the ones I have here, these are the opportunities that I'm looking forward to. Like here in the next few weeks, this is what I will be doing. Um, number one I have is farm pond bass. Because farm pond bass fishing, I, I really think that February and March are the best months to go catch those absolute hogs out of a farm pond. You know how everybody says, well, that, that pond's got seven pounders in it. That pond's got eight pounders in it. And then you fish it for two years and you never ever see one. Mm -hmm. And somebody's still telling you in that they're in there. This is the time of year where you go to a farm pond and you catch that yeah. eight pounder that every, yeah, March is great. Yeah, when it's, I really think late February. So February, when I go back and look at pictures of all the huge farm pond bass that we've got, it's like February twenty fourth, mm -hmm. February twenty fifth, March first. You know, it's all in that time period where they're just coming out of that cold water and they're you know fighting for food and energy. And um, the presentation I like to use for farm pond bass is just as slow as you can get. Yeah. And I like big baits. So I'm talking 10-inch um, worms, you know, Texas rig, just barely dragging them across the bottom. I'd throw a 12-inch worm, you know, if I was fishing a, a pond that had big enough bass in it. And uh, A jig works the same way, yeah. black and blue jig, I just black like and chartreuse. The, I just like the really big baits. I'm not sure why, but, it, I mean, I'll catch a 12-inch bass on a 10-inch worm. I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I guess they can digest it easily, but for some reason I feel like... If they're going to expend the energy to go over there and eat something, they want it to be worth their while, mm -hmm. you know. So a bigger meal is more worth their while. So I just feel like the bigger bait you give them, the more likely they are to, to bite, especially a big fish. So farm pond bass is one. And then I have the white bass because we know what's mm -hmm. coming up around the corner. I'll see you on the salt leaf. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we will have to do a podcast down there this year. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, we can go down there and just, as long as you don't go more than chest deep, we should be good. Yeah, no doubt. I've done it a couple of times but so the white bass run on Nolan and Dix and Salt and all these places that have white bass that should be great and that should be coming up usually it's early April when they really start running but you can catch them in March too I think the song I'll run a little earlier well that's, that's the other one on my list I had here 
um, right before the white bass run, usually in the same spot you find those white bass, you can find sauger or sauga or walleye. You know, and they, they should run three or, you know, four, three, two weeks before the white bass just based on water temperature. And so I will start, you know, it's all, it's, it's like, it's like you got the winning lottery numbers when you know when the white bass are running. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants that info. Yeah. I mean, you could trade that info for, for something. Mm -hmm. But because those sauger and sauga and walleye move up, you know, two or three weeks before the white bass do, it doesn't hurt you to get out there and start fishing early and maybe just fish a little bit slower presentation. And you might stumble upon, you know, those species too. You know, walleye or sauger if you're in the Nolan or if you're at Salt River, maybe sauga. And um, you can stumble on those and have really good fishing too. And then if you're out there one day and what do you know, you start catching white bass and well, you're the guy who has the info. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're the man at that point. No doubt. So that's, a, and, I, and I don't know if it's like that where everybody, I mean, it's probably not like that where everybody works, but up here, when you've got the hot tip on the white bass run, yeah, you're everybody's friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes. Everybody starts calling and seeing how you're doing. Oh, I get, I have, yeah. I get emails. I get, you yeah. know, I'll people calling. I'll post a picture of a, you know, like a haul of white bass early in the white bass run, and next thing you know, the, the, the next day, two or three extra people stop by the office to hey, say, man. "Hey, just check and see how you're doing." I saw you was out there assault last night. <laughs> you know, and uh, which parking lot you park at, stuff yeah. like that. Oh yeah. But that, so that's right around the corner. So I, I hit farm pond bass, white bass, and then we talked a little bit about sauger, sauger walleye. Mm -hmm. The other ones are trout because they've been stocked lately and and uh, they're a cold water fish. Like honestly, this is the time of year where they're thriving. They're most active. And, you know, after March 31, all those waters you can, you know, keep in them. April yeah. you can catch and keep. And that's, that's when I really start hitting the trout. I like catching them, but I like eating them. They're one of my favorite fish to eat. And they're so. not going to make it through the summer. You're not being evil if you keep a limit every time you go out there. You know, we had that call-in show the other day, and somebody asked a question. Um, on those catch-and-release streams. Yeah, so we had Jeff. So we had our live call-in show on Facebook. Because of coronavirus, we aren't able to go into KAT Studios. So we did it on Facebook on Wednesday. We still want to get everybody's question answered. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the questions that was asked and that got answered was, uh, do uh, rainbow trout hold over in Otter Creek, or do they die off during the summer? And um, the biologist, Jeff Ross and Crosby, gave a lot of good info about what water temperatures were lethal to rainbow trout mm -hmm. and the fact that they have uh, stream gauges or, or temperature gauges along that stream every so often and they can monitor the temperatures that they know that it gets up into the 80s and 75 degrees is lethal to trout. So those trout are gonna die off. They said there are some spring-fed spring pockets up on Fort Knox that have colder water that mm -hmm. hold over trout. but. It's basically 75 degrees, those trout are gonna die. So if you go out there and you catch one during catch and keep season, there's no point in not eating it. Scott just, Martin, yeah. who used to be the manager there, caught one in July, up, but it was by the outflow of the MSD plant just above the uh, okay. bridge that you can see from 64. If you look to the right when you cross Floyd's Fork on 64, up around that bend, he caught one on inline spinner in July. There's a spot right there. So I went for a walk in the snow on, at Floyd's Fork on Tuesday, I'm wanting to say. And um, you know when you're approaching that, so you go into Floyd's Fork, Floyd's Fork Park off of 60 and then you're going towards Eglon and mm -hmm. you go, right before you go under 64, yeah. on the creek right there, there's a, a water flowing in. Mm -hmm. And it's actually the wastewater treatment plant over yep. there that's discharging it. So I that's wouldn't- where, have, That's where we got the trout was in that area. That water was coming out and I mean the creek had ice flowing down it. 
and the, the creek was, I mean, it was frozen completely over in places. But right there where that discharge was coming out, the water was steaming hot. I mean, you could see the steam coming off of it where it hit the creek. And I said, that is where the smallies are. Yeah, no, <laughs> if, want, they're, if they're active. I wanted to go there. They really just, go into torpor on the stream really bad yeah. in, in winter. But if they were looking for warm water, that's a place. And yeah, places, like, places like that would be good. But you said something about a, an outflow off of 64. Yeah, it's up above. I think it's the MSD outflow. Okay. I'll have to look. Uh, look but he caught one. one. I was like, is that a trout? I mean, it was July. Yeah, and yeah he caught, he caught yeah. a rainbow. Uh, Fishers, he did, probably didn't have much time left at that point. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it, uh, he was by the outflow, maybe. You yeah. know, it's a fluke. The last uh, species I have written down here is musky. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had musky fished here and there up until two years ago and then I, I started trying to take it more serious and targeting musky and uh, last year I went out with a TV show on March 9th and we went to Looking River and we shocked musky and collected them for broodstock so that's where they they basically take the musky that are up there during the spawning run and they get the eggs out or they get the milk out the milt out and uh, because musky and the wild have a survival rate of like what three percent or something like that and the hatcheries they have a 95 percent survival rate so we take those fish and get the eggs get the milt and uh, then release those fish back into the wild and we raise their their brood at a much higher survival rate than they would in the wild and then we return those brood to the wild also is is you know juvenile fish and uh that's what makes for a lot more musky. But when I was down there and we were shocking up those musky, you know, I was asking the biologist, you know, why here, why right now? And it's basically just like the white bass run or anything else, those musky push upstream and they concentrate in much higher numbers, blow those dams during that time. So I'm thinking, let's break the kayak out and let's go try to catch a kayak musky on a river system. That'd be awesome. Mm -hmm. And that's something you could do at, I'm assuming, uh, the Middle Fork, you know, above Buckhorn. Tigerts Creek. You could probably go to Lock 4 down here in Frankfurt and mm -hmm. have a, a better chance than you normally would. And I think some, you know, the muskie along the Kentucky River, I mean, they're there. People do target them, but... Well, a long time ago, I wrote a story that won an award about a guy who was throwing a little chartreuse grub for Sauger and caught a monster muskellunge yeah. at Lockport there, right below Lock and Dam number I saw, two. I saw one, uh, the same story. It might have been a different guy a couple months ago. Was that the same story or a different guy? No, it was a different guy. I wrote okay. this. It was a long time ago. So this, I think this guy He caught, drove straight here, and we looked in the street. I mean, it was a beauty. Yeah, some dude caught a 50-incher down there um, earlier this this winter doing the same. I mean, it's a crazy. six-pound line on a little bitty. Oh, it's crazy. That'd yeah, I was like, fight. he said it took him about 45 minutes to get it yeah, I go musky fishing with 50-pound braid. I get nervous at times. <laughs> I can't imagine six-pound. <laughs> no, I can't believe it. It's just a miracle. Floro. So I wanted, I wanted to run through a couple of those things. Oh, also. I have to, I was thinking about going coyote hunting today, Lee. This is just a little side story. I was thinking about going coyote hunting today, and in the snow, I just want to coyote hunt every day. And uh, and then on the way to work, I was thinking about, okay, wind direction, where can I go coyote hunting, things like that. And then it clicked. I realized that I went coyote hunting three days ago, and I killed a coyote. And it had a great winter coat on it, you know, no rub, its tail was nice and fluffy and all that stuff. So I said, you know, I think I'm going to keep this one and skin it out and possibly get it, get it uh, tanned, you know. Um, just a little memento and I uh, got home that night and it was late and it was like nine degrees and I hung the coyote up in the garage and then I said you know I'll come I'll do this tomorrow because um, it's cold enough it's going to be just fine and then the next day came and I didn't do it and the next day came and, and so on my way to work today I realized that there's a coyote that's been hanging in my garage for four days and if Kristen gets home before me and sees that I'm, I might end up single so I've got I've got to get home and take care of that mm -hmm. um, instead of going coyote hunting today but after I take care of that I might go do something night hunting's in and like I said the, 
I'm tempted to go chase some walleye down on Green River right now. So that's another musky spot too. Mm-hmm. Something else I was hoping we could get to, you actually have it sitting right there in front of you, the yep. 2021 fishing forecast, yep. right? Tell me tell me what that is real quick. And then I have some of these questions from the call-in show that didn't get answered. And honestly, the fishing forecast will answer a lot of these questions and other people's. So I was hoping maybe we well, could- Well, I just wrote a uh, magnum opus, 3,500 word story on it, so. Uh, well, tell me what it is. Well, you know, and I just talked to Jeff Ross and who is our assistant director and kind of oversees the, the fishing forecast. And a lot of it is biologist intuition, but as they do their popula uh, population sampling each spring and fall, they kind of extrapolate, okay, here's what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. And then they rate the popular fisheries in that lake or in that river, mm -hmm. either poor, fair, good, or excellent. Mm -hmm. And I, I did this year, usually I do species and all this year, I just did every one that was rated excellent. Yeah. And a lot of it, it's based upon, uh, you know, what they see in the population sampling, but also the biologist intuition. And if they fish, kind of what the, what a fisherman may expect. So a lot of it's based on sampling though. Yes, so and, they... and growth rates as well. And okay. It's so... not always about trophies. It's like how many keepers plus how many trophies. So when they go out to, let's just use Taylorsville Lake, for example, mm -hmm. it's right over here. They go out to Taylorsville Lake and they do their, their surveys. They, they sample, so they run the shocking boat. They collect these fish, they measure them. Um, they, they record how many they see and of what size ranges. Yep. And then, so they collect, you know, thousands and thousands of data points on, a, on every lake every year. So then they're basically compiling all that into what you can, the, you know, looking at the trends. So last year we saw a 15 inch average on this lake and, mm -hmm. and we sampled this many of these fish. And this year we, we saw a 17 inch average and yep. we sampled this many. So you can expect to catch more. That and, may make it know. go from good to excellent as well, yeah. if they see such positive But it, it's info like that that's actually derived from pulling fish out of the lake and seeing what's in there. Mm -hmm. And then you said their intuition and it basically gives a snapshot, a snapshot of each body of water and each species of fish in that body of water, right? Yes. And then it, what else does it have in it? Um, also, one of the things that I like is it talks about tactics that are good for late winter and early spring, which is when we sell most of our fishing licenses. Mm -hmm. It also has the cheat sheet. So if you're like, man, I want to know where I can catch some good hybrid striped bass. Oh, and it, it has a check mark by each um, water body that has good or excellent fishing for that particular species. Is so that right there? Like, for instance, you know what? I had that pulled Like up. hybrids, uh, you know, it says a uh, barren, got a good or excellent. Uh, Fish Trap, um, Grayson and Green River, the Ohio River, Nolan and Rough. All those got good or excellent for hybrid striped bass. So when I'm looking at this, oh shoot, I just had it pulled up. There it is. So say, and that cheat sheet you were talking about, which page is that on? Um, this year, now I've, I've got one that it should be like toward the beginning. All right, so is. here it is. So say, no, it used to be at the end, but now it's toward the say beginning. Say your buddy uh, called you up, and I'm just gonna pick a random one. Your buddy called you up and said, hey, we've never fished at a, uh, Greenbow Lake before, let's go fish Greenbow. Mm -hmm. And you said, all right, and you have no idea, you never, you never fish Greenbow, you get on here, it shows largemouth bass being good or excellent, rainbow trout and brown trout mm -hmm. being good or, so that, that's something I never would have thought they of. They put 12,000 rainbow and brown in there a year. And that's our only, looking at this, it's our only fishery listed on this sheet that's listed for the brown trout as good or excellent. Yeah. Carbon Tailwater is still feeling the effects I, I, of the drawdown, you know. But it's still good. Still, so. it's killer, yeah. The, um, so this is something you can look at either by species. Okay, mm -hmm. I want to go catch smallmouth bass and, okay, barren. You can river. look at every one that's good or yeah. excellent. And the, or by body of water. You can use it either either which yeah. way. So that's pretty cool. 
Um, but Greenbow also, back in the 60s, surrendered to the same guy named Delbert Grizzle, uh, two state record largemouths. Really? Yeah, I think uh, not in consecutive years, but in the late 60s. He caught one, then he beat it. Night fishing. Uh, yeah, night fishing is the way to go, if you ask me. So um, I want to dive into some of these questions from the call-in show, and I think we'll probably use this um, to, to answer a couple of them. Yeah. It's, it's a great uh, you know resource. How, how many pages is that? Like 37 or 38 pages? Mm -hmm. It's free. It's just... Uh, it's on the website. I mean, I'm Go looking. under fish. And then uh, also there's a, a, a page that's kind of new. Tips for fishing Kentucky and Barkley. Oh, the, so at the very end. It's this easy. And the tailwaters too. On the website, fw.ky.gov, on mm -hmm. the homepage, up top there's the fish tab. And yep. then literally right under the fish tab it says forecast. forecast. Click you, on that, print it off. You can go directly to it from the, uh, from the homepage of the website. So let's jump into, I've, I've only got five questions written down here, but okay. there are five questions that didn't get answered. And um, of course, me and you aren't fisheries biologists, so I wanted to stick to questions that I thought we could answer, yeah. or we could use you know, this resource that the biologist provided to help answer. Um, first one, Josh Jordan, I heard big trout like to eat baby shad, is that true? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even know if it's baby shad in specific. Shad, shad. Shad, I mean, if you're a trout, that's what you like to eat. Yeah. And that's why if you look at the baits people use, I mean, Spoons are really popular mm -hmm. for for trout fishing because that's exactly what they look like. They look like the spoon is an uh, it's an old school lure that people don't fish as much. Mm -hmm. If you want to fish, I, I wrote a bunch about the hybrids when they get into jumps in the late summer. Mm -hmm. A spoon is the best because you can throw a spoon from here to, to oh, Louisville. Throw it out, yeah. You can throw a so, spool dry. And that's when, when you're fishing those hybrid jumps in in the summer. You know, it's pretty much a two-hour bite from right before dawn till maybe 8, 8.30. Mm -hmm. But when you see them, see that water, like, roiling, and you see shad panicking, yeah. throw that spoon in there, and bam! God, you can catch some nice hybrids yeah. doing that. It's a ball. It's a really popular bait on the Ohio River. Um, so it's not something that most people throw, but all your guys who are really good fishermen, you know, mm -hmm. like the people who really know what they're doing on the Ohio River, they all have a spoon mm -hmm. in their tackle box. And if you're fishing out of a boat, most of them have a spoon tied on um, to a rod somewhere because mm -hmm. it just has certain applications. It's so heavy, you can fish it in current pretty well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to scoot across the surface on you. So, um, but it's good for trout too. And some guys who fish. Little cast masters are great. Um, some guys who fish down below Wolf Creek. Actually, the department just posted a picture of a guy the other day with a nice big brown trout. The guy's name's Micah Smith. I ran into him while I was fishing down there this past year. And uh, he pretty much strictly throws a spoon for trout. And he does as well as anybody I know. So. And they're great for white bass, too. Yeah. yeah pretty <clears> during the runs. They just Obi like called a big hybrid and on a spoon. <laughs> but he got out in what granddaddy called soapstone, that bluish gray river mud that's slick as yeah. snot on a doorknob. <laughs> and he busted his butt and lost his fish. <laughs> and then two casts later, he hung the that's... hung the cast master and broke it off. Oh, that, I mean, it happens. Yeah. He added a hold of it, but, uh, you know, I mean, that, that stuff is so slick. It was good 17-inch, 18-inch hybrid. It was a nice one. And uh, for, for the spring run. Oh, yeah. Well, in a roundabout way, Josh Jordan, yes. They do like to eat baby shad, mm -hmm. and if you use a bait that looks like a shad, or not not just a baby shad, but any shad, you that, got your try. Yeah, that's your best bet. Or just use the shad themselves. Yeah. If you can get, you know, if you can take a cast net somewhere in the body of water that you're fishing and catch live shad, or just get yourself some frozen dead shad, you know, you can you can catch trout with them. That's some no of the doubt. best bait you can make. Um, Rusty, why are there no smallmouth in Rough River Lake? Are there no smallmouth in Rough River Lake? Let's um, look. I'm pretty it's the same, sure. I'm, I'm assuming this is the same type deal as Taylorsville. Well, where, you know, 
a long time ago, we had a biologist, he's retired now, named uh, Jerry Bynack, and Nolan River, before it was impounded, was considered better than Elkhorn. It was considered the best float stream in Kentucky. For and they mouth. thought, for smallmouths, and they thought, oh, wow, it's going to really be an excellent smallmouth reservoir. Well, it, it's not even listed, yeah. so. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it just grew a little too, too fertile. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with... Uh, and I think that's what, that's the deal with Rough River. It's well, just a little too fertile. It's how barren is. There's smallmouth in Barren River, mm -hmm. but you are maybe going to catch one in the I've lake. I've caught a couple in the lake, but yeah, not, not very many. many, and they weren't very big. Taylorsville Lake, I mean, Salt River's loaded with smallmouth, mm -hmm. but you're fishing the lake. You're never no. ever targeting them. I mean, you, I mean, like I said, you might get lucky and catch one, mm -hmm. but it's just something about the fertility of the water, like you said. Um, it's not like Laurel or, or Dale or Cumberland, one of those clear, deep... Um, Lakes like that, I mean, they're much more fertile lakes, much shallower, and they just don't hold the smallmouth. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like Kentucky Lake is a very shallow, fertile lake, but I'm assuming that the flow that's there is well. That's, it's because it exchanges water yeah. so quick. So, but there's good smallmouth at Kentucky Lake. But it really it just comes down to the habitat, mm -hmm. um, the ecosystem there in the and lake. And the water clarity has improved. Um, Kentucky and Barkley, because of no-till agriculture and other other reasons, um, just aren't as, as stained and muddy as they used to be for a lot of the year. Yeah. Which that that, that helps the smallmouth. That makes sense. Next question, David Smith. Um, how do you know when uh, trout are stocked in northern Kentucky, Finns Lakes specifically is asking about? That's another website when they're just go to the stocking page. Yeah, I'm, um, on, I'm on it right here. So and it, it'll it'll show the schedule and yeah. There's a trout stocking schedule listed on the website. It's literally under the fish tab, same as the forecast. And right here it says, okay, Tuesday, February the 2nd, here's all the places that were stocked and here's how many trout they got. Wednesday the 3rd, Thursday the 4th, Friday the 5th, all those places that were stocked. And you said Northern Kentucky, the Boyle County right here, Millennium Park in Boyle County, mm -hmm. got 500 rainbows on Friday, February 5th. Yep. Um, and so there's a lot of them, like Scott County got 500. Yep. Uh, and, and when they do Northern Kentucky, it'll be, you know, uh, A.J. Jolly or whatever, some Alexander of those lakes. Park Alexander and, Park. Yeah. And, uh, Milford Mills Park or whatever. Um, the one, so some of them were postponed due to inclement weather. I'm guessing the snow and yeah. So the one of them here is in Boone County. Uh, Camp Ernst Lake yeah. um, was postponed. Uh, so that might be the one he's he's referring to that he was waiting on. And also in the fishing guide under the trout page, all the lakes are stocked or all the lakes that are stocked are shown by which month and and how many total for the year. Yeah. So when I'm looking at this, actually now that I really look at it, we got Grant, mm -hmm. Campbell, Kenton and uh, Boone all listed here and Kent, yeah, so Kenton twice is listed as a part as a places that are postponed due to inclement weather. So that's a lot of Northern so Kentucky lakes. Check that out next week when it warms up, check that and yeah. that schedule will probably be to your liking. I, I'm pretty sure those guys, I've talked to Dan Ballsman and uh, you know, the biologist who's in charge of this program and he says that you know as soon as they stock it, they get the website updated because they want people to know. Mm -hmm that they're in there. So they're, they're pretty on top of this. And as soon as it gets stocked, I feel pretty confident that the website will be updated. So um, let's see, next one, Dina Young. Um, is the white bass population uh, making a comeback on Green River Lake? That is a forecast question. Yeah, that is a good question. Because um, that I one- I think it's, it's marginally doing better. So we're looking at what she said, Green River Lake. Green, so. So you can scroll on this forecast to the specific lake. Rainbow. It's in alphabetical order. Good. Uh, population dominated by 13 to 16 inches. Still a good large fish, 14 inch plus. Prep, uh, presence of good year classes of 2015 and 2017 will help fishing. Headwaters areas in spring. 
troll flats and look for jumps and fish under lights during the summer at night. So yeah. So yeah, it's it's in good shape. Population down, and I think that Jeff uh, Ross or Crosby, one of the two the other day said that this year it's listed as good. Mm -hmm. Last year it was listed as fair. So yeah. it has made an, an, an and, and those those good spawning those good classes of 2015 and 2017. That means there's going to be a good cycle of fish yeah. coming through. So her question is, are they making a comeback? I'd say the fact that it went from fair last year to good this year says that you're yes. she she has to be seeing something. She has to be seeing something on the water. You're hearing reports to make her phrase her question that way. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say that what she's seeing or what she's hearing is just being backed up or is backing up what the biologists are saying in the forecast here. But that, it's a question like that, like is the white bass population making a comeback on Green River Lake? Say you have the same question about spotted bass on Barren River Lake. You know, you can get on the on here and you can see what's actively going on with, with that species on that body of water. And then like you said, I mean, for the white bass here, it said um, fish headwater areas during spring, troll flats, look for jumps, and fish under lights during, so it gives you tips and advice yeah. on how to catch them, so. I like the detail it goes into about uh, the year classes, so that's basically, good year classes of 2015, 2017, that yes. means that those- That means really good reproduction those years. And the survival rate was high mm -hmm. too. Yeah. So they reproduced successfully and they survived. And so we're gonna- So see they're seeing those fish now when they sample. When they're, yeah. And they can kind of judge which year class it is based on the, the weight of the, or the length of the fish. Yeah. They, grow, they grow fairly consistently, you know. Sometimes they'll mark them too. With yeah, with fin clipping or something like that. It's see, mainly when they stalk them, but they'll, that way they'll know. The last question I have written down here, Lee, is from Greg Bowling. He said, tell us something good about rough river fishing. Well, that, that is, you know, I wrote some notes down today. I'm and get, I'm looking at rough river And right from, from what, uh, um, oh, whoop. Rough river, uh, and he says rough river. Do you think he's talking about the lake or the river itself? Well, I, we'll just assume both. Um, but. When I wrote my story, I was like, wow, Rough River is on doing a lot better than it has maybe seven, eight years ago. Oh man, um, I'm looking at Rough River Lake right it's now. It's on fire. It's listed as good or excellent for, for catfish. For catfish, for crappie, for hybrid striped bass, and the tailwater. And for both, for flat edge channels, crappie, and hybrids. Yeah, so that's pretty good. So, I, it, the, it looks like the black bass populations aren't aren't super hot. I hope he's not just a largemouth mm -hmm. uh, fisherman, but it looks like some of the, honestly, some of the more exciting fish to catch to me mm -hmm. are the hybrid striped bass. And well, I love crappie, lots of big fish caught from t 2018 to 2020, plenty more moving to harvestable size with good numbers of 10 inches and longer available. Fish shallow water, two to five feet deep for spawning fish. Then hybrids, excellent population of hybrids, large number of 15 inches and many over 20 inches and up to 10 pounds. Fish Upper South Fork in spring, Troll Main Lake points in summer. I mean, I love that. Yeah, it gives you a lot of good info. Basically what I was hoping we could do here, Lee, was tell people this resource is out there because a lot of work goes into it and it is a really good resource and people aren't gonna use it if they don't know it's there. No doubt. And um, you know, some of these questions that people have that they were asking you know, in the comment section of the call-in show that we just didn't have the time to get to, some of these questions, you know, it's as simple as looking at the fishing report. And I just kind of felt like you know, obviously all these questions couldn't be answered by the fishing report, but a lot of them can. Yeah. Um, so it's something worth checking out. Hey, did I take that picture on the front of it? Uh, no, I did. Oh, you yeah. might have taken that one. <laughs> yeah, but I was there with you that day. Yeah, I just noticed the. Yeah, that's old Paul and that big hybrid that day. We smacked him. God, it, that was a blast. You know, I might have caught that fish. Yeah, you could have. You remember he held up that one big one yeah, I caught? Yeah, 
I'll let you and Paul fight on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, just took the photo. I just, I just. Some looked. of those pictures turned out just so cool. The lighting early in the yeah. morning there was, it was great. Yeah, I'll say Paul called that one. I just happened to notice that I recognized. I was there when that picture was taken <laughs> yeah. on the front of that. But look how fat that. I mean, you just don't see them that fat and robust very many places. Oh, I love it. They're just gorging. I'm yeah. itching, Lee. I mean, just seeing that picture. No seeing that picture takes me. Take, oh, it just takes. That me. made me go and put on better line, better braid. Oh. Paul had that. Remember, he bought that jippy line from China. That braid. <laughs> he broke off three or four times. I, like, I went on and bought good braid. And oh, I like that Power Pro. Yeah, the yeah. Suffix 832 is good braid, mm -hmm. but the Power Pro, the, the Suffix is smoother. It's much smoother. But for some reason, the Power Pro, it just feels right to me. Yeah. You know, when the fish it's takes good. off and it's peel and drag, I mean, it just feels like I have the most solid connection possible. And you can buy the V2 slick, you know, you can buy like a coated Power Pro. Mm -hmm. That, um, I bought the coated for uh, ocean fishing. I like the coated stuff. It's just a little bit more expensive. And I'm telling you, I go through so much line and so many baits, and I'm retying so often that I, uh, you know, I, I, I like the normal Power Pro just yeah. fine. The coated stuff's probably better. But looking at that picture takes me back because that was a fun day. Well, I, the spider wire smooth with the eight, eight strands is good stuff. I'm not a fan of the spider wire. I'm telling you. So the story behind that is. Me and Kristen were doing a lot of uh, creek fishing. I had good luck with in the ocean. We were fishing. We were doing a lot of creek fishing over the past year, and she had, she just went out and bought some braid to put on her. She spooled up this uh, rod and reel with braid, and she was telling me how much she loved it, man. She was, you know, best line she's ever used. I took a few casts with it. I loved it. She was catching hybrids with it, smallmouth in the creek and everything. And she was just going on and on about how great it was. I asked her what it was. She told me spider wire. So I went to the store, and I bought some spider wire. And I put it on my rod, and I just was not happy at all. And she told me, oh, I was mistaken. It, it was actually Power Pro, Power, v, Pro, yeah. Power Pro V2 slick. So um, I I just did not like the Firewire in comparison. Well, I don't like their low rim, but the eight, the the smooth braid I've had good luck with. Yeah, it was like a third of exp as expensive as the Power Pro 2. Yeah, I, that's that I, was that their low end stuff. I bought junk. like 330 yards of it for 10 bucks, whereas the Power Pro is 15 bucks for this was 150 and it was nearly 15 dollars I think for yeah. 150 yards. I'm telling you, ever since the Power Pro, I've, I've got it on my big baitcaster for. Carolina rigging. I love it. Do you remember what I was doing when we were down there that day where that picture was taken where I went up there with uh, my musky rod and that 50 pound braid and I put on the full one ounce and I was just throwing the spool dry? Mm -hmm. I mean, that 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 braid casts so smooth. I mean, because it has no memory whatsoever. You can, you can cast it so much smoother. And then I feel like I feel the bites a lot better mm -hmm. because you got a direct connection. I mean, it is as firm and stiff a line as you can ask for. So I just feel like I feel bites better. And then fishing current, I mean, it's thinner line, so it catches less water drag. So the current affects your bait less, and it's just stronger. If you're bouncing across rocks and things like that or getting snagged up on, you know, tree branches down there, then it's just stronger. It's better to have. It's all around better line, in my opinion. Now, I'm not going to say it's better for everything, because I don't know if you want to uh, vertically jig for crappie over a brush pile using braid. You know, you might want something a little bit more finesse or with a little bit more stretch, but for... Moving water fishing, I think braid is probably especially for that where you're, where yeah. you're snagging as hell. I yeah. even like braid in the in the creeks. I mean, this past year I bought a bunch of ten pound braid, which is two pound mono equivalent, and I, I didn't catch less fish. You know, I don't think that the fish seeing the line was an issue for me, and I could stack so much on my spool. You know, being that it was two pound equivalent, I could I could put two hundred fifty yards on a spool. Mm -hmm. And then if I have to, I mean I can just turn my drag down. That fish is never gonna run a quarter mile from me, you know what I mean? So I'm man Lee, just sitting here talking about fishing and seeing that picture of Paul holding that big hybrid, it's got me itching to go fishing yeah. even more. 
That was a good picture. I'm going to use a lot of those. I'm doing a hybrid story, so I'm, I need more. I've got need a, more photos. I've got a bunch of good photos that you took on the the DSLR. I I felt bad for you that day, man. We were down there. Me and Paul were tearing up fish after fish, and you were well, back there trying to do your job. Well, <laughs> I got to catch some. I was happy. Yeah, yeah. But you know, if I would have fished and then came home with junk pictures, uh, it wouldn't have been good. So. Yeah, you got both done. Um, real quick. When I wrote that story, I, I wrote some that kind of popped out to me that were maybe a little bit new and rated excellent. Not very many. I'll go over real quick. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, two streams rated excellent for smallmouths. Uh, Barren River from Barren River Lake Dam downstream to the mouth of Drake's Creek, which is just above uh, Bowling Green. And that's going to be a bite. Are, are all these smallmouths or are they all kinds of species? No, this was just for smallmouths. So as you go through and you tell me what's excellent, I'm going to tell you when to fish it. And those yeah. smallmouths will be heating up in, I mean, Soon. It's, March be, will be great. Yeah, just you got to get the good flow. Yeah. These two are tailwater, so you got to look. And you, Chase and I have been juked before, very memorably one time we yeah. got juked by the forecast, but yeah. you need to know what the what the uh, what they're releasing that day. Um, uh, good chance that that's one of your best chances to catch a twenty plus incher in in Kentucky, and also Green River that you and I know from from the dam to to Mumfordville, um, both are rated excellent. The small lakes in Central Kentucky rated excellent for largemouths, Bullock, Elmer Davis, Gis Creek. Lake Reba in Richmond, uh, good old Will Green in Richmond, and Lake Kincaid in Pendleton County. Um, East Kentucky fish trap is on fire, excellent for bluegill, channel and flathead catfish, hybrid striped bass, and white bass. And we talked about Rough River earlier, it's excellent for crappie, hybrid striped bass, catfish, and the tailwater is good for hybrids, crappie, flatheads, and channel catfish. And also uh, Taylorsville, heavy fishing pressure, but still cranking out nice catfish, Crappie and largemouth bass rated excellent for all three. And uh, Barkley, still excellent for catfish and probably the best red ear sunfish in Kentucky and yellow bass. And Kentucky Lake rated excellent for blue cats, bluegill, channels, red ears, and yellow bass. I was looking at Elkhorn yesterday. I'm just, I'm thinking about just going fishing this weekend, Lee. Uh, you know, knocking the ice off it my last eye. 500, I think, was the flow yesterday. Elkhorn? Mm -hmm. That's fishable. Yeah. That's a little high, but high, it's fishable. But I've, I've caught fish at 650. Well, my issue Once right it gets now, about 700 above, really, I love it. 400 and below is what I love best. Well, here's what I'm telling you my thought is on Elkhorn right now. 500, cubic feet a second. Let's just say it's that, right? This this water temperature, I know those fish are going to be moving slow. They aren't going to be wanting to chase bait too hard. And, you know, Jeff Roberts, who works up here, has been fishing Elkhorn recently. And and uh, he's basically told me the, the slowest presentation you can give them. And the has he caught fish? Yeah, he's been catching fish. Um, the problem with that 500 cubic feet is that it's going to be hard to present a slow yeah, no presentation. Um, you, you know, if you want to creek fish something real slow, you almost need the, the flow to be low enough that you can let something sit on the bottom for a second. Late February is a really good time. We get a little warm front to catch big ones. Well, next week it's supposed to be 55 degrees, isn't it? Yeah. So next week we got a little warm front and it's going to be late February. So I'd say knock it out. Yeah. You got anything else, Lee? Uh, I just wanted to get the fit and... Print off a fishing forecast. It's print really it off, good. Or you can save some trees and just look at it online. Yeah. That's an option as well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you can you can write your notes in it and stuff. Yeah, you can make them. notes if you want to do that. Or yeah, I like I, I I tell you, I only print off what I have to these days, but you can literally bookmark that on your phone, you know. And look at it or just look at it anytime you want to on your phone. I'm old school, I like to write stuff down. I say we go ahead and commit ourselves, Lee, because you know that last podcast I did when you were out, uh, I did from the field on a coyote hunt, and that was tough. Trying to do a podcast by yourself while hunting mm -hmm. is uh, Did you get one? I missed one. It was very painful. And then uh, that's, oh, 
Uh, yeah. I well, I was passing a very large kidney stone, so I know very painful. Would you like to go into detail? No. <laughs> but when it when I finally saw it, I was like, oh, my God, how in the world did that get through me? <laughs> <laughs> well, you built that thing, right? Your body built that thing. I was like, thanks. God, I, I never had them now. I've gotten old. I get them. It's yeah. terrible. Well, just uh, you're lucky to be getting old, Lee. Oh, yeah. You well, can, yeah, I every could time, be dead. Every time you pass one, just consider yourself just, uh, lucky. I could be dead, but there's <laughs> times you're passing one, you're just like, God, I wish I was dead. <laughs> I'm sorry you had to go through that. I missed Coyote. I don't know which one was more painful. We'll just we'll just say it was mine. But we'll, we'll, we'll do a couple from the field. We'll definitely do a white bass. No, I and, want to commit ourselves and, to doing uh, a white and, bass. And let's do it. Let's do it. I don't want to do a creek wading one, too. We've talked about it. We never have. I want, I want to go ahead and commit ourselves to the white bass run. Oh, that's great. Which will probably be, you know, two months from now. It'll probably be mid-April. That's when it's the hottest. You know, that's when we might as well go hit it. But when it gets a little lower in the creek, we get a little warm-up. We could go out and do a, a, a late winter, early spring you don't have to pull my arm, Lee. You don't have to twist my arm. And I know a couple of holes where, I mean, they're, they're there pretty yeah. much every year this let's, time. Let's do it to it. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Thanks for coming by, Lee. All I, right, I man. know you're busy. you got all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, I've got to travel. Um, yeah. I've had some package issues I've got to go take care of because looks like uh, I've gotten uh, shucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't, we won't talk about that. <laughs> um, oh, well. All right, Lee. Well, I appreciate it. Hope everybody does well. Take it easy. All right.